my name is Paul Epp, and I'm the pastor of the English congregation at First Ithaca Chinese Christian Church. Uh, I've actually served as a pastor of some sort in Chinese churches since 1988, so mm-hmm. it's been a while. So my first 10 years I served in Houston Chinese Church, and I was basically a youth pastor. Although my last two years, I uh, was became a student pastor, overseeing both youth and college, and I was also overseeing campus crusade at the University of Houston then. And then I served as an English congregation for nine years at uh, Chinese Evangelical Church of Denver, which is actually in Aurora, Colorado.、Um, and now I've been serving almost ten years. At First Ithaca Chinese Christian Church in Ithaca, it's where Cornell University and Ithaca College are.、Uh, so most of the people in our English congregation are college students. So、um, the topic that was given today was keeping the faith throughout your college years, and、uh, it's it's good to have、uh, Eric here. I'll pick on him again.、Uh, he he attends. Our church in in Ithaca, and I believe he's an example of someone who's kept his faith through the college years and showed that、uh, he both has a teachable spirit and also someone who makes an impact on others. Our our church's motto is to make is to、um, make disciples who make disciples, and so he's kind of doing both. So I want to start out.、Um, oh. I'm gonna give you some notes here. So, take one and pass it down.、Uh, don't feel obligated to write, but if you want to, you can. Hopefully, I have enough. I'm not sure if I do. So, first of all, I'd like to talk, start out with some statistics. So, according to a May 2015 Christianity Today article. Seventy、uh, percent of church youth drop out of church during their college years.、Uh, so that's the bad news. <laughs> the somewhat good news is about two thirds of that seventy、uh, percent return sooner or later to church. So、uh, if my mathematics is correct, which there's、uh, a high degree of probability that it's not. But assuming that my mathematics is correct, that means that there's about a 23% net loss of the youth in our churches that will continue、uh, with their faith, or at least being involved in the, the Christian community. So、uh, yeah, so if there's if you have、uh, 12 youth in your youth group. Uh, stati- or let's just say you had ten youth in your youth group. Three of them are going to continue in college. Seven are going to drop out, and then I think probably about five or so of them will return. So、um, that's just that's that's concerning.、Uh, definitely,、um, we want people. We want youth to love God. Love the Lord, the lost, and the local church for the rest of their lives, and、uh, we don't want to take have them take a hiatus 
from uh, God during their college years. Because basically that means that some of their best years of their life are wasted years of their life. And so uh, we want to talk about, uh, about what we can do to, to keep the, help, help young people keep their faith through the college years. So let's talk about what is the spiritual condition of church, of these people that drop out. And uh, so let's take a look at James chapter 2. Or actually, yeah, James chapter 2. Uh, James chapter 2 and I'll just read verse 26 as a body without the spirit is dead so faith without works is dead and we have time to read the whole passage Uh, basically James is is saying that if a person is truly saved you're going to see that they do good works so uh, keep, keep that in mind But also, let's take a look at Romans 8, verses 38 and 39. Romans 8, 38 and 39 says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So on one hand, we read that if a person is truly saved, they're going to keep their faith. Uh, but on the other hand, we read that uh, God's, you know, once a person is truly saved, they're never going to lose their salvation. So then that comes to the question is, how about those youth who uh, claim to have believed when they were in high school? But then they drop out of church. Uh, uh, you don't really see good works in their life. Did they lose their salvation? Or what happened to them? Uh, what is their spiritual condition? And I think that there's two different possibilities. One possibility is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 to 3, where the Apostle Paul writes... Brothers, I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere men? So one possibility is that these uh, people who claim to be Christians actually are Christians, but they're basically acting like baby Christians. They're acting like they're not having a real relationship with God. And you've probably heard, uh, you know, you know, Jesus said uh, about the false teachers that they are sheep in wolves, no, they're wolves in sheep's clothing. Uh, in this case, these people are like sheep in wolves' clothing. They are, they're, they're Christians, but they look like non-Christians. But another possibility is in 1 John chapter 2, verse 18. Let's look at that. 
1 John 2, verse 18. And here it says, Dear children, this is the last hour, and as you heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. For their going showed that none of them belonged to us. So this is kind of uh, a sobering thing to consider, is that there are some people that look like they're Christians, but they leave the church, and the reality is that they were never Christians in the first place. Um, it's possible that we raise young people in our youth group and they've never actually ever had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so how can you know the difference whether these are people that are ultimately going to return or if they're going to stay away forever? How can we tell whether they're genuine Christians or not? And I think the thing is to go back to the conversion experience. Um, you know, to, to really look into our hearts and ask ourselves, did we ever truly put our faith in Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord? Did we ever come to an understanding that uh, we are sinners and that we are separated from God, that we are under the wrath of God because of our sin, and that we cannot earn our way into heaven by doing good works? But did we ever come to the realization that Jesus Christ died on the cross not only to save us from the penalty of sin, which is hell, but also the power of sin, which is the inability to overcome our sinful habits? And did we believe that Jesus rose from the grave to give us eternal life? If we never came to that point, then we're not truly a Christian. And if that's the case, we need to help our young people to actually believe in Jesus Christ and put their faith in Him. Um, if they actually have put their faith in Christ, then that means that we should help them uh, repent from their sins and uh, truly think about what God has done for them and come back to the love of Christ. So, uh, why do church youth leave the church. So uh, I've heard the statistics of the 70%, uh, 50% of them planned on leaving church and 50 of them planned on going to continue with church but didn't work out. But according to this uh, uh, Christianity Today article, it said that 20% of the youth planned on leaving the church. They were in the youth group and they're, maybe basically their parents forced them to go to church. And they're just basically, while they're in high school, while they're thinking about going to college, they're thinking like, once I'm out of here, once I don't have my parents waking me up in the morning and forcing me to go to church, I'm never going to go to church again. It's, it just, I just don't relate to all this. I don't think it's really true or it just doesn't fit with my lifestyle. I'm never going to come. But according to Christianity Today, at least, at least 80% of the youth are thinking like, yeah, sure. I mean, I believe in Jesus. Uh, I've enjoyed my time in church. I want to um, continue with what my, my parents encouraged me to do. And so when I'm in church, I'm going to continue. But 
80% of those stop going to church. So let's talk about why do Christian youth drop out of church? And so now I'd like to make this a little bit more interactive. And I'm going to ask you guys, why do you think that uh, youth stop going to church once they're in college? So um, any thoughts out there? Okay. <laughs> if not, I'll throw some ideas out there. One reason might be immorality. Um, so, uh, you know, one, they, okay. So there's one thought that you can get the best out of both worlds. And that would be that, okay, I'll believe in Jesus so that I can go to heaven, but then, um, I'll also enjoy uh, all the sin out there. And so while I'm here on earth, I'll enjoy sin, but I'll still go to heaven. But in reality, to to try to do that, you get the worst out of both worlds. Because you're too too sinful to enjoy being involved in the Christian community because you feel like a hypocrite. But you're too godly you have the, the Holy Spirit inside of you to enjoy uh, being in, involved in church um, so yeah there, there's kind of this uh, cognitive dissonance and you're, you're going to, to church and you're thinking like I just don't feel comfortable being here and so you just drop out and I think that happens uh, to a significant amount of, of youth whether it's getting involved in you know some sort of uh, immoral sexual behavior or whether it's getting involved in any other sinful lifestyle that dishonors God. So some, some youth drop out because of that. Um, another reason may be because of busyness. So uh, what, what are some things that keep college students busy? So that they be un, un, they think that they're unable to uh, be involved in the local church. Anybody want to throw out some ideas? Okay, so I've heard about this um, this technique called pair and share. So <laughs> I'm going to try that with you guys now. So what I want you to do is to pair up with somebody and ask each other these questions. And then once you've talked to each other, you're going to have enough courage to share. So uh, my, question, my two questions for you is, why do you think that young people drop out of church while they're in college? And then the second question is going to be, what keeps these young people so busy? So pair up, and, and uh, then we'll, we'll discuss later on.
Okay. So now, hopefully, you've had enough time to think through this. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping that some of you will start speaking out. If not, it's just going to become a lecture. So you can't say I didn't give you guys the opportunity. Okay. So uh, the first question I'm going to ask you is like, what what keeps people, uh, what why what would keep people so busy that they're unable to, or they think they're unable to be involved in the Christian community? Anybody want to throw out an idea? Parties on weekends. Pardon? Parties on weekends. Okay, so one thing might be parties on, on weekends, yeah. So they stay, so they, they may actually be planning, I do know some students that are actually planning on come, coming to the worship service and they stay up really late and then they just can't wake up. And to me, I can't, I, like, I can't relate very well now because I'm kind of an old guy and I just normally just wake up at 6 p.m. But then I started thinking like, oh yeah, six a.m. I'm sorry, a.m. My bad. Yeah, I'm worse than the students actually. I stay in, no at six a.m. Yeah. Uh, but then I tried to think like, yeah, when I was in college, I had I kept a, a snooze button, and I kept on hitting it and hitting it and hitting. It. And then I tried to put it up on my dresser, and I get up hit it and I'd go back to sleep. <laughs> so if I remember back when I was a college student, I re- remember how it is and I can be a little bit more sympathetic. But I can say that there was a time in my life, I think I was still in college, and I thought, this is really stupid. Why am I spending the last half hour or so just getting up, hitting a snooze? And, and it's not a very restful way to sleep. And I thought, I'm just going to cut it out cold turkey. And from then on, when the alarm went off, I got up, and I encourage you, all you college students to have the same mentality. Um, you can do it. A lot of it is just willpower, and maybe praying that God will help you. Okay, so one, one reason might be that you're partying too late. What might be another reason that keeps you so busy? So, oh, by the way, I should have introduced this. That's, that's actually my daughter. She's in college. The ones on her right is my other daughter, and she will be a sophomore in high school. And the one to her right is my wife, and she is no longer in college. Okay, anything else that's keeping people busy? No, okay, so you might feel like I don't want to go because I don't have any friends. It's hard for me to, uh, I, I feel really awkward going to a, a church by myself. And so why would I even go to church? Okay, good. So uh, anybody else want to throw things that keep people busy? Hmm. Yeah, good point. There's a lot of things that, Miscellaneous, right? Yeah, when you drop the first time, then you don't want to come and sit. 
Yeah, I, th I think you're right. And this is something for your college students to remember is that if you get in the habit, it's a lot easier to keep a habit going. If you're in a habit right now of going to church and you go right away, find a church and get involved in it, it's going to be a lot easier to stay in it than to think like, okay, I'm really busy at the beginning of the year. And so later on, I'll get involved in church. Then it's very unlikely because you get into this habit like I'm sleeping in. This is my day Sunday. Other days I have to wake up early. This is my one day that I can sleep in later. That's a good point. Great. Procrastinating in work and particularly homework you're talking about, right? Yeah, and I think, so a lot of these things that are keeping people busy aren't necessarily bad things, but maybe we could consider them like idols. If anything becomes more important than your relationship with God, it can be idols. So, yeah, schoolwork can become one of those idols. Definitely, we encourage all of our students to do your best in your academics as, it, as you're doing it for the Lord. But uh, don't let academics become your idol. And I think another thing I would throw out there is the internet. Uh, so it can be social media, and it can also be video games. Uh, these can be like real time-consuming things, and uh, then you just don't have time for what's what's more important. Okay. So then another question is, what are what are some other things? Uh, besides being other reasons besides immorality and busyness that could keep people from uh, being involved in the local church. And oh wait, actually I forgot. What time did we say that we're supposed to be done? Twelve thirty. Okay. Twelve thirty? Okay. Uh, I don't think uh, people stop going to church. It may be one of the reasons may be that they just do you not know, regard the important. Mm. They think, you know, this can go or not. It's yeah. kind of a uh, apathetic. Yeah. Good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, and it becomes kind of a, a pri uh, a, an issue with priorities. So I want to throw out another couple of ideas. One could be doubts. Uh, so there are two different kind of doubts. One is more experiential doubts and the other was intellectual doubt. So intellectual means that you're just thinking like, I don't really know whether the story in the Bible is actually true or not. And it just seems like this isn't something that I can truly believe. The experiential is that I don't really feel like Christianity is working in my life. I've prayed and I haven't seen any answers. I've heard that you're supposed to be able to have, you know, all this joy or whatever, and it's not really working for me. And so um, that, that can be some of the problems. So I guess the question is, why, what's causing some of these doubts? And part of it can be, particularly if your students go, if, if you as students are, go to a public university, is that there is somewhat of an anti-Christian bias. So this doesn't come from a Christian organization. Actually, these are uh, findings from the Institute for Jewish and Community Research Reviews. And they said the following, uh, uh, the study revealed several findings relating to the political and religious views of professors and included the following key discoveries. Number one, most faculty believe in God. That's the good news. But atheism is significantly more prevalent among the faculty than the general public. The proportion of faculty who self-identify as atheist is over five times the proportion of people who self-identify as atheists in the general public. 
So in other words, there's a five times greater chance that an atheist is, I mean, that a professor is an atheist than a typical person is an atheist. Uh, faculty are much less religious than the general public. The American public is more likely to say that religion is very important in their everyday lives and to attend religious service more frequently than faculty. And faculty actually feel more warmly about religious, about most religious groups, but feel coldly about evangelicals and Mormons. Um, so atheists, or, or faculty tend to have positive feelings toward Jews, Buddhists, Catholics, and atheists, but not for evangelicals like us. Uh, faculty feel most unfavorably about evangelical Christians, and this is the only religious group about which a majority of non-evangelical faculty have negative feelings. And faculty are almost unanimous in their belief that evangelicals, Christians, should keep their religious beliefs out of American politics. And then finally, although faculty generally oppose religion in the public sphere, many endorse the idea that Muslims should express their religious beliefs in American politics. So in other words, actually, the, a lot of the faculty end up giving preference towards Muslims than uh, evangelical Christians. So there is an anti-intellectual bias among some faculty, uh, another, which can result in some faith, what we call faith buster classes. And faith buster classes can be where a professor wants uh, to, whether it's overtly wants to take away the faith of evangelicals, Christians or not, but at least uh, expresses views that contradict what the Bible teaches. Another thing can be the peers in their, uh, their friends that they make. They make friends who are atheists or of other religions, and they start having doubts about, well, is this real Christianity really true? And then uh, finally is the internet. And uh, the internet, you know, you do your own research, and you uh, read things that seem to make it seem like Christianity isn't really true, and you start thinking, like, is this really true or not? Okay, so another reason, not about intellectual doubts, another reason why I think some people drop out of church while they're in college is because of depression. And uh, they just feel so sad, or maybe sad's not the right word, or, or just don't have much feelings at all, and uh, they just don't feel like going to church. They, don't, they feel like they'd have to fake it if they go to church or be involved in the church community, and so they just end up dropping. And uh, there's various reasons why uh, people may feel depressed in school. I mean, particularly at a place like Cornell University. Uh, Cornell is a high academic school, and you have most of the students that are in the school when they were in high school were on the top of their classes. And when they come to Cornell, 50% of them are below average. And they're not used to being below average. And so that can be a really sad thing. And then also maybe being away from their family or uh, if they're international students, away from the culture that they're used to. Um, or just, you know, uh, tragedies might happen in their lives. Or it could be a physical uh, thing, the experience of depression. So let's talk about how youth not only survive, but thrive during college years. 
So the reasons that I listed, um, and you guys had some good reasons too, but the le reasons why I listed that people drop out is depression, in, uh, doubts, uh, and uh, busyness and immorality. So those are the four reasons that we're going to take a look at. Uh, so let's take a look at how youth can not only survive but thrive during their college years. Uh, Christianity has said, today says that statistically we found four factors that were the most predictive in determining which teenagers stayed in church. Uh, and these are statements that they would, these youth would say about themselves. These are the youth that ended up staying in, involved in the church. The number one statement that they agreed with was, I wanted the church to help guide my decisions in everyday life. Secondly, they stated, my parents were still married to each other and both attended church. Three, they said the pastor's sermons were relevant to my life. And four, at least one adult from church made a significant investment in me personally and spiritually. So, uh, having the conviction that church or about the Bible being important and guiding decisions, parents that were strong Christians and loved each other and relevant sermons and uh, pastors that or, or other people from church investing in their life. And so these are some of the things that a church can do to help make sure that their youth will stay. Most importantly is disciple. You know, if our, if our church student ministry, it's great if it's a fun place to be, but if it's only fun, that's not going to keep them throughout the years. So it's important to help them, give them biblical teaching that is relevant and uh, they can see it will be help them with the decisions that they need to make. Uh, also, have a home with committed Christian parents. So this is really important that, you know, if, if students feel like their parents are basically hypocritical, that they act one way in church but a different way at home, it's going to be less likely that they'll stay committed. Um, a study revealed that 74% of married couples who are both evangelicals uh, also have kids who are evangelical. Third, recognize that it takes a church to raise committed young adults. Involve other adults in the discipleship process. Even though parents are the most important disciplers, it's really important to have other adults who are discipling along the way too. Um, so definitely when I was raising my children, I looked at my wife and I as the most important disciplers. But I'm really glad for uh, the students in our the Christian schools that my daughters went to and also at my church that could relate to my parent, my children in a way that was different than I could relate to. And they, they could open up to these other Christians in a way that they couldn't relate to me. So let, let's take a look at what you as youth can do. Uh, let's take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. Oh, 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5. My bad. 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5. Uh, the Apostle Paul writes, Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. 
Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you unless, of course, you fail the test? So uh, it's important for those of you who have grown up in church to remember this. God has children, but he does not have any grandchildren. In other words, just because your parents are Christians, are children of God, that doesn't mean that you are also have a relationship with God. You have to have your own relationship with God. And when you go to college, when you're off to yourself, you'll be able to find out whether this is just your parents' uh, belief or whether it's your own belief. And so it's important to really look at, do I truly believe in Jesus as my Savior and Lord? Or am I just going through the motions? Am I just doing this because I want to impress my parents? Uh, second, secondly, is Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. And actually, I'm starting to realize that I have a lot of content and not much time. So even though at the beginning I wanted to get a lot of discussion in, maybe you guys had the right idea not to discuss things so much just so I can get a lot of content out to you guys. So uh, Romans 12, verses 1 and 2 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and improve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. So the next thing you should do is not only discover whether you're truly a Christian or not, but commit your life to God. Offer your life as a living sacrifice to God. Tell God, I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do. It's like almost giving God a blank check and say, like, You've, you, put in the, uh, you put in the amount. My life is a blank check. I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do. And then uh, Matthew 6, 33. Matthew 6, 33. Oh, thank you. Uh, Matthew 6.33, Jesus said, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Uh, This is prioritize the kingdom of God. Make sure that your greatest commitment is to God, that you love God more than your academics, that you love God more than fun, that you love God more than even your parents, that you love God more than friends, that you are going to say, I am going to prioritize what I think God considers to be important. So which gets us to the, uh, the topic of busyness. So that means um, we need to prioritize our spiritual disciplines. So some of the spiritual disciplines that are important for college students to prioritize it's going to, number one is going to be your quiet times. Making sure that every day you spend time reading the Bible and praying. Secondly is to get involved in a, in a Christian community or maybe even more than one Christian community. I definitely encourage you to find a campus organization. And generally speaking, you just do a little bit of, uh, you get on Google, you type in your, the name of the university that you're going to, you type in, 
you know, Christian organizations, you'll be able to find one. Uh, but there are some that are almost in every campus. And they include InterVarsity Crew, C, spelled C-R-U. In, back in my day, it was called Campus Crusade. And another one is called Navigators. These are all good ones to, to consider. Uh, there are going to be organizations like Cornell. A lot of the students from my church go to a ministry called Chinese Bible Study. And uh, it's, it's actually an English-speaking group with mostly Chinese Americans. But definitely try to find a Christian community. But like I said in my sermon, don't just settle for finding a Christian campus ministry. Make sure you find a good local church as well. And when you're looking for these churches, make sure that you, you find out that whether they have a good doctrinal statement. Uh, do they truly uh, believe that the Bible is without error? That uh, if they believe in the Trinity and do they believe in salvation by grace through faith? And it's also to, good to, to find out what are their beliefs you know, about uh, issues of morality. Uh, do, do they uh, believe that uh, sex should be only between a man and woman inside the confines of a marriage relationship. Secondly, uh, so in addressing the issue of busyness, prioritize spiritual disciplines. Secondly is don't get overly involved. Remember that every time you say yes to something, you say no to something else. So uh, particularly your freshman year, uh, just be careful about not taking on too much. also, be careful about how many classes you take. So I know there are some people that are really ambitious, and so they're thinking like, okay, this, the school charges the same amount for 16 hours as it does for 25 credits, so I'm just going to take 25 credits, get my money's worth. Well, yeah, maybe you can finish in three years instead of four years, but is that going going to steal away from your relationship with God. It may not be that wise to take too many classes. It may end up causing you to be really stressed, and that might be something that pushes you into feeling depressed as well. So don't, don't uh, get over well. And just don't, just, just look at school only as a time to study your academics. Make sure that you have some social life too. I think it was uh, Mark Twain who said, I make, I make sure that my academics doesn't get in, get in the way of my education. Isn't that what he said? <laughs> Hildy's more literate than I am, but something in there. There, there are other ways to learn besides your schoolwork. Uh, also prevent addiction to uh, internet or video game addiction. Those, are, those can be really time-consuming things. And so if you find that you have problems with being addicted to all that, find somebody to hold you accountable or put some, uh, some sort of filter on your internet. Or there are, uh, uh, there are different types of software that you can put on, like there's something called Stay Focused. I think it's called stayfocused.com that can help you limit the amount of time that you would be on a particular uh, website per day. 
So you may want to do something like that. And then another thing is, I think I might have already mentioned is have somebody hold you accountable. Let's talk about immorality. So immorality, uh, I guess the one question we should ask is like, what type of people should you hang out with? Is it, is it a good idea or a bad idea to hang out with non-Christians? So I'd like to give you an opportunity to answer that question at least. I want to take time for that. Uh, I'll just go right to share because I don't have that much time. to. But do any of you have any, uh, thoughts about, is it, should we only, should college students only hang out with other Christians who have the same values or should they also hang out with non-Christians? Anybody want to share? I think um, you should try and surround yourself and have close friends that are believers mm-hmm. um, because just like the church isn't just in the building that you need the church around you in your daily life. But at the same time, make a college is a great opportunity for outreach. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of times, like I was saying, you are trying new things. So someone in college might be more willing to come with you to a church activity or maybe a campus ministry. So I think both, um, but have a good balance and just make sure that you are in the Word and have friends that are encouraging you to be more Christ-like. And I think both of us could. Yeah, well said. So my thing is that it tends to be the mature Christians that don't have very many non-Christian friends and the immature Christians that have a lot of non-Christian friends. <laughs> and uh, unfortunately, what happens is that um, the immature Christians get... Um, influence in the wrong direction. So I think that the, the so definitely I, I would say your closest friends, try, try to get involved in campus ministry, make some really close Christian friends, but also reach out to non-Christians because as Elisa said, it's a great mission field. Uh, you would have more interactions and more opportunities in college than maybe any other time. And it, the cool thing is also there's a lot of international students that may come from unreached people groups. So take advantage of that. But I would say is try to make friends with non-Christians and bring along a Christian friend. So for example, I know that I remember one time when uh, a Christian thought, well, I'm gonna join a fraternity and um, be a missionary there. But uh, the result was that the non-Christians uh, influence the Christian instead of otherwise. And I think it would have made a lot more sense for that Christian to bring another Christian to the fraternity and then they can hold each other accountable for how they wanted to um, reach out. Another thing I want to say is that even though it's a good idea to have non-Christian friends, it's not a good idea to have a non-Christian sweetheart. I would really encourage you not to date people who are not Christians. Um, make it a commitment to, to find other people who love God just as much as you do so that you can share that with them. And if you like somebody that's not a Christian, you know, you can get them involved in the Christian community, try to introduce them to people of their same gender, and perhaps God will bring them to Christ and after they're Christians you can consider that. 
another thing that's important is to develop convictions about physical intimacy so that you don't go beyond boundaries that will um, dishonor God. And uh, also commit to purity on the internet. And with all these ideas, it's just basically, you know, hold each other, find people who can hold you accountable for this area. Okay, so next I want to talk about doubts. So first of all, I'd like to say equip yourself so that you can uh, deal with the doubts that you might have. Uh, so uh, some things that are good for you to do is to read good books. Uh, probably one of, I mean, there's a lot of books in apologetics, and I, and I think if I understand, you're kind of doing that in Sunday school class already, so this is really good. But uh, one book I'd recommend is Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. That's kind of an old one, but a classic. And a lot of people really like it to this day. Um, and uh, secondly is a book by Tim Keller. It's called Reason for God. Um, recommend that. And then uh, Case for Christ by Lee Strobel. And I actually have some free books of Case for Christ, so I can hand those out. Another thing that I'd recommend is uh, podcasts. Um, I just got into podcasts recently, and so I'm actually, while I'm doing my exercise, like when I'm working out or when I'm jogging, I listen to podcasts. So yeah, some of the good ones that I recommend is uh, uh, Tim Keller. Um, I'll just give you the names of people that I think are really good, uh, and then you can try to find them. Tim Keller. There's also a guy named Pat Zuckerin. If you hear the name Zuckerin, it sounds like it's German or something like that, but he's actually a Japanese-American. It's spelled Z-U-K-E-R-A-N, and he has a podcast called Evidence and Answers. And another one that I'd recommend is Ravi Zacharias. Ravi is R-A-V-I, and Zacharias is Z-A-C-R-A-R-I-A-S. Also consider getting some training. So uh, one place that you could go to is called Worldview Academy. Um, I've sent both of my daughters to World Academy when they were in high school, particularly my, my older daughter, the one that's been speaking up. Uh, I uh, told her after she finished her first year in public school, I said, I'm sending you to Worldview Academy. And she said, I don't want to go. It doesn't sound very interesting to spend over here over 20 hours of uh, lectures on Christian worldview. She said, I'd be willing to go to a fun Christian camp, but I don't want to go to Worldview Academy. And I uh, said, you don't need more fun. You need to get a Christian worldview. And so on the last day, uh, she called me up and she said, oh, Dad, can I buy some uh, Christian quiet time material? And I was like, whoa, I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> And I said, I asked her, did you have, how, what did you think about it? And she said, it wasn't fun, but I loved it. <laughs> and so uh, I really encourage you to consider sending your, or if you're a youth, make a decision your own to go. If you're a parent, send your kid to Worldview Academy, even if they don't want to go. It's basically about six days. Uh, they meet at different campus, uh, college campuses throughout the summer. And just uh, type Google Worldview Academy, and you can find out more about it. 
You might even want to consider going a, a year to Bible college. Um, I saw you, you have like Columbus International, that's a great school. Uh, Louise is going to uh, Lancaster Bible College at least for a year. So if you spend one year, then maybe go on to um, a public school. That might be something for you to consider. Uh, should you take Faith Buster classes? I talked to a professor who teaches, he actually is a Christian professor who actually teaches at Cornell, and he said, probably not. And I said, well, can't they do, can't they read enough on Christian scholarly perspective? He said, the, the professor knows so much about their topic, and the student is like, hardly knows anything, that it's going to be hard to do it. But if you do decide to take a Faith Buster class, make sure that you read from a Christian scholarly perspective about the topic that you're taking. So uh, uh, finally, another thing I like to say about uh, doubts is to doubt your doubts. The truth is, is that even to this time when I'm a, a pastor, there's still some things that I don't understand. And there's you know, some questions about Christianity I don't feel like I can give a good answer to. But the thing is, is that the Christian worldview is so much more satisfying, both intellectually and experientially, than other Christian than other worldviews. That uh, it's not worth it's it's not worth jumping from something that's good to something that's that's worth. And so, doubt your doubts, and just to say that just because I can't understand something now doesn't mean that I won't be able to understand something later. But definitely, I would say, uh, be like the Bereans in, in the book of Acts, who, uh, when, when the Apostle Paul came to them, it's, the Bible says that uh, they accepted his teaching eagerly, but they also searched the scriptures to make sure what the, what the Apostle Paul was saying was true. And so I tell the people, the college students in my church, be um, teachable skeptics. In other words, don't even accept everything that I'm saying. Explore what the Bible says. Why not accept everything? That's a good question. Because I'm not inerrant. I'm not without error. It's important for you to make your own convictions. It's, it's important to study the Bible to make sure what I'm saying is true. And even the, the, the Bible reveals, that God reveals himself not only in the Bible, but also in science, in nature, in history. And so all truth is God's truth. And so it's not going to harm yourself to do research. But it is going to harm yourself if the only scholarly perspective that you look at is from a secular humanist. It, it just doesn't make sense. So make sure that you, you study things from a Christian worldview. Okay, next I want to talk about depression. So uh, what causes depression? Uh, there are so many things that could cause depression. It can sometimes, we can't, okay, so we can say it can be sin, but it's not necessarily sin. It could be uh, physical things, it could be circumstances. Uh, but there are some important things that can help college students while they're in school. And one of them, I think, I know it might sound very simplistic, but I want to just turn to Philippians chapter 3, verse 1.
says, finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things for you and is a safeguard for you. I think one of the most crucial things about the Christian life is to rejoice in the Lord. And the Bible says that it's a safeguard. It's like when you're, like when you're driving out in the mountains and you see this guardrail on the side. It protects you from falling over. So rejoicing in the Lord can protect you from falling in discouragement, depression. It can also keep you from falling into the pit of pride and uh, idolatry. So one of the important things is to really understand how great God is and how many things God has done for you. And so you can focus on those things. And so when things don't work out right for you, you can say like, yeah, this particular thing isn't working out right, but God is so much better than that. Uh, Secondly is that it's okay to lament. Uh, In the book of Psalms, about 40% of the Psalms are laments. But the cool thing about the lament is like uh, uh, a song or a a feeling of, of sadness because of the brokenness in this world, that we live in a sinful world. And so uh, if you read the laments in Psalms, generally speaking, the, uh, the, the uh, psalmist is saying like, God, I, I trust that you're such an awesome God, that you're such a powerful, loving God, but my circumstances don't make sense. Why would you allow this to happen? And then at the end, the apostle, or, or the, the psalmist usually ends up saying, but still I'm going to praise you. And so if you can have the attitude like, okay, it's not wrong for me to feel sad, but I want to make sure that in my sadness, I'm going to try to honor God. I'm going to try to honor God even through my grieving. And also to choose to do the right thing even when you don't feel like it. So keep up your spiritual habits. Also keep up your physical habits. Eat right, sleep right, exercise. I remember talking to a Christian counselor and he, he, she was talking about how some students just eat so much Top Ramen. Now, I like Top Ramen, but in moderation. I mean, it, I mean it's a cheap food, right? And it tastes sort of good, uh, but it's, it's not uh, good for you physically. And she said she knows some people that got depressed because they were not eating the right food. Don't, don't just eat uh, Top Ramen. Uh, so the next thing I'd like to say is um, there is a book. It's actually a, a secular book, but it's called The Upward Spiral. Um, I, I had it up on my computer before, and now I don't seem to have it. But it's called The Upward Spiral. And the, it has a lot of good ideas about how to deal with depression. But one of the things that it said was uh, the importance of Thanksgiving. I was like, this isn't even written by a Christian. And they're talking about the importance of Thanksgiving. To be able to, like, even when you're feeling depressed, think about what can you be thankful for. And the cool thing about being a Christian, if you're, if you're a secular humanist, who are you going to thank for the sunrise? You know, the forces of nature, evolution. We as Christians, when we look at things, we could say, like, oh, I thank God. I know there's a God who loves me. So, uh, 
my, my final <laughs> exhortation. I, I had so much that I want to share with you, and it's probably more of a, a series than a one-shot thing here. But I want, you to, uh, I want all of you to write down, if you are youth, what is one thing that you want to do so that you won't become a statistic? A statistic of one of the 70% who drops out of church. And if you're not a youth, if you are a parent or another caring adult, what will you do as a parent or a concerned adult to help the youth in your church not to become a statistic? So uh, just take a couple minutes to write that down. And unfortunately, I didn't have any time for questions and answers. So I'm sorry about that. We, if you want to. We, oh. Chinese lunch sounds great. I mean, I've been having it after every worship service for the past 30 years. So... <laughs> I like that, but uh, I but I but I definitely can stay. And if and if people want to stay, they can stay. But I don't think they necessarily have to feel obligated. I was just gonna say, if you see around at lunch afterwards, um, and have questions about worldview, I'd love to talk about it. And there's also a way if you want to get college credit in high school through worldview academy, you can do that as well. So. Yeah, and you, can, I I can give the my uh, Chromebook to Elise and she, she could probably show you a video on it as well. So, okay. so uh, what, what's the new time that we want to finish up here then? Okay, I'll drag on as long as there's questions. So if you're really hungry, don't ask me any questions. <laughs> if you have some questions, go ahead and ask them. So, any, anybody, if, if there's any of you who are already in college that want to give some words of wisdom, uh, feel free to do that as well. Okay. Hmm. That's a, that's a very good question. Um... So I, I, I would say probably the number one reason is uh, what, what, can, what could be perceived as hypocrisy. So, um, I mean, I think that, so I think the most important thing as a parent is love. And even, so it's very important to love your child, but it's even more important to love God. And so I think that youth can, they're really good hypocrisy sensors, uh, or what, what, what term did you use? Sensors, okay. They, they can, detectors. Uh, I mean, it's, it's a lot easier for me to look godly in a church building than it is in my own home. So I'm sure my kids can tell me, tell you about times when I haven't lived per, uh, haven't really lived out what, when I haven't practiced what I preached. So I think the thing is that uh, we don't necessarily have to be perfect, but uh, we should be repentant. And when we do wrong, for example, when, when we haven't been fair with our, our children, 
or when they've seen us do something that didn't fit in with our values is that we can say, like, I'm sorry, or that was wrong of me. And it's, I think a lot of times we as parents want to uh, keep up the facade that we're perfect and so that we don't let admit it, but I think it's good to admit it. If anybody else has a different answer, you can you can answer that too. Any other questions? So, yeah, I'm thinking of another thing is that whether parents intentionally do this or not is, is a question. It can sometimes seem like parents are more concerned about a child's academic than they are about their spiritual life. So, um, you know, I know parents that are going to be willing to spend a lot of money to, you know, send their kid to some sort of academic camp or to um, a music camp or whatever. But when it comes to you know, s- spending money on sending their children to something like Worldview Academy, it's like, oh, that, that's not very important. And so, I mean, d- definitely don't, don't hear an extreme like saying that these other things aren't, can't be good. But, uh, you know, and, and also it could be like, when we talk to them about how things are going in, in their school, are we only asking them about how their grades are, or are we also asking them, like, you know, how, how are things going with your relationship with God? Um, yeah, so I think that as our children grow and become more as adults, that we can start talking to them about, you know, just what's going on in our own hearts, too, and you know, sharing when we've seen God work in our lives. So sharing both, both the positive things that are happening and the struggles that we have. Are we just becoming more, more real with our children? Other questions? Any questions from the youth or the parents? We're going to have time off and on for us. I'm, I'm sorry, can you repeat that? After lunch, we should do a We have some time we get, so. Okay. But if people are so hungry for lunch and you don't want to get a question, we can come back after lunch. For the youth workers.
training, right? What's that? It's like youth workers training after work? Yeah. Okay. And you can talk to me as uh, uh, individually as well. So uh, also, if you ever want to just email me, you can. Um, my email address is epistle, like, like Paul's epistle, but it has two Ps because my last name is Ep. So it's E-P-P-I-S-T-L-E at hotmail.com. So I still have a Hotmail cap too. It's kind of old school. But you can feel free to uh, email me if you have questions. And particularly if you have, uh, if any of your, you happen to be going to Cornell, uh, I'd love to talk to you. Or, or if your children are going to Cornell, I can talk to you more specifically about that school. Yeah, so I'm, I'm just going to be very broad in my, because uh, there's always exceptions on both sides. So I think that uh, Chinese parents want their children to be successful, particularly academically. Uh, Western parents tend to want their, their children to be happy. Um, <laughs> I want my children to be loving, you know, um, yeah, I mean, because 1 Corinthians 13 says, you know, even if, even if somebody is successful in these different things, but do not have love, they're, they're basically wasted their life. So, um, yeah, I, I don't think my, my children, be, I want my children to be successful. I want them to do well in school, but if they're not. I mean, I would rather have my child work the rest of their life flipping hamburgers at McDonald's, but be really loving than to have them get a PhD and make a six-digit income and uh, be, you know, arrogant and be cold to God. Uh, But I would also rather have my uh, child wrestle with depression or have difficulties in their life and uh, still be really loving than to be a child that's very self-centered, you know, just having fun all their time and not really caring for, you know, my, my wife and I or really passionately loving God. So that's my generality there. I mean, they're, they're, you know, the thought of like the tiger mom or whatever. So. Were you going to add something? Uh, same thing. I feel like that you know, because the, the Western culture and the, and the Eastern culture are totally different. You know? yeah. I mean, you know, if you could do it to a better, you know, otherwise it's quite bad. Yeah, I mean, I think that um, Asian culture tends to push their children too much. And uh, Western culture tends not to push them enough. So my wife is half Chinese. So she tends, she's the pusher. And I don't push my children enough. So that's like, 
when I was growing up, I came home with like half A's and half B's, and my parents would say like, and I'd say, oh, I could have done better. And my parents say, oh, no, you did fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> and I think that I could have been more successful if my parents would have pushed me a little bit more. So don't go to the American extreme. Just try to get the right balance in there. Okay. I think that's it. I'll, I'll just close in prayer. Uh, Lord, I just thank you for this opportunity to meet with uh, the youth and their parents. Uh, Lord, I just really pray for these young people that uh, their love for you and for other people will, will grow, that they would be humble servants and that they would learn to love the lost, the, the, uh, the Lord and the local church for the rest of their lives. Uh, I pray for the parents, help them to have authentic love relationships with you so they can say not only do as I say, but they can also say, do as I do. And um, yeah, we pray for, I pray that the statistics won't be that 70% of these uh, young people will drop out, but instead it would be 100% would continue to, to keep their faith and, um, and to spread their faith to others as well. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you very much. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, so let's say 115, 120, that way we're, we're, gonna, we're back here, back here. About how many... Um,